You're listening to a Bellingcat Discord server stage talk titled QAnon in Europe, researching the online spaces of conspiracy ideologists. The talk features Bellingcat researchers Johanna Wild, Igenisha Darbakova, and Tristan Lee, alongside Lighthouse Reports researchers Justin Casimir Braun and Ricardo Coluccini. The panel spoke about their joint project exploring the spread of the QAnon conspiracy theory in Europe. The stage talk was hosted by Tristan Lee on the Bellingcat Discord server on November 17, 2022. Yeah, hello everyone. I'm Johanna from Bellingcat and as Giancarlo already said, we talk about our QAnon research today. I, I want to start by giving a little bit of background information why we are doing this. So basically, way more than a year ago, we started to join forces with uh, Lighthouse Reports and we have two colleagues from them here and they will for sure also give a little bit more information about what Lighthouse Reports is as an organization. And we basically decided to start researching QAnon in Europe together. The reason was that we saw that there are really great researchers in various countries who really know a lot about QAnon, about this conspiracy ideology in their countries. But there was not always so much research that compares how this conspiracy ideology looks in different countries and also how these conspiracy spaces interact with each other. And much of what is happening within QAnon is, is taking place online nowadays, right? And these online spaces, they are not disconnected from each other. They are connected. And we wanted to look into these connections. And uh, that's why we set up a team that consisted of researchers from several European countries because we wanted to make sure we speak the right languages. So I personally looked at Germany this year and I'm still doing this. And we have various colleagues speaking other languages because that's helpful if you want to look into the QAnon spaces in different countries. And on the other hand, we also wanted to look at this um, conspiracy environment from a data perspective. And that's why we also collected a lot of data from channels, online channels that uh, QAnon fans use and did analysis based on that. So that's just a little bit of background information about the joint research that we are doing. And I would suggest that um, our colleagues from Lighthouse Reports say a few words about what Lighthouse Reports is, first of all, and maybe also from your perspective, um, why you found this uh, research interesting. Let me maybe take that one. Um, right, so Lighthouse Reports is a, a collaborative um, research and uh, journalism organization. Um, in this project, we kind of built the link between Bellingcat that was kind of more focused on the data collection and actually producing articles with uh, newspapers around Europe um, to get published. And this is something that Lidos quite commonly does in the sense that we work internationally across the European media ecosystem. We do large investigations, which then get published um, across, across the EU. Um, yeah. Hi everyone, and if I can add to what Justin just said, um, we we find it pretty interesting to to look into this kind of um, ecosystems online because we we have seen traces of events happening in Europe that echoed what was going on with QAnon in the US. So we wanted to make sure that we were not missing anything happening here. So and also we wanted to understand how uh, a conspiracy changes from country to country, what happens when they uh, meet other people, other conspiracy theories and, and things like that. So this is one of the reasons we also uh, analyze, focus on several countries within Europe. 
And I think that already leads to the topic, what we found, right? So we have people looking at different countries and the online spaces of QAnon ideologists in different countries, or often it's more in different language spaces, because if you look at online channels, it's not always easy to uh, say uh, from which country someone is writing. It's often more about the languages in which they are writing. And what we were analyzing was, okay, um, which characteristics do the QAnon environments in different language spaces have? And we observed quite a few differences, but also a lot of things that they have in common. And one thing that is quite characteristic for Europe is that they are all very often focused a lot towards the US online channels and what is happening there, which is not surprising because the QAnon um, ideology comes from the US, right? A lot of the ideas that um, are within this ideology, they come from US politics. And it was very interesting for us to see that in various countries in Europe, they just like to copy the discussions that are ongoing in the US space. They translate these discussions and partly they adapt them to the local context, but often they also don't. So what I can say from the German context, a lot of uh, discussions, for instance, on Telegram. So Telegram is for the German context at the moment, the platform where mo most QAnon discussions take place and many, many QAnon communities are on Telegram at the moment. And in many of these Telegram channels, you see that they basically just take posts that have been shared in US Telegram channels, they translate them and they share it with their community. And I often doubt whether the community really understands the specifics of how US politics work, right? But that's something that is just basically channeled into German communities. And then, yeah, it's basically they let their community do what they want with this information, even if they don't always understand um, what it exactly means, right? Um, I don't know whether maybe other people want to add regarding their country. So what we have at the moment, and maybe we can say a few words about it. Of course, you might have heard that uh, Trump announced that he will run again for um, office. And um, yeah, this is definitely something our communities are reacting to. Yeah, definitely. Uh... Yeah, definitely. When uh, there is like elections going on in the US, it becomes one of the biggest topics in the QAnon channels. So, oh, by the way, hi everyone. My name is Aiganesh. I'm a researcher from Belenket and I'm looking in the Czech Republic, Ukraine and Russia, QAnon. So what I've seen is that in uh, uh, Russian and Ukrainian QAnon, yeah, since Trump has said that he's going to be uh, a candidate for the presidency, they like some of them, some of the channels, uh, like like two out of ten, I'd say they uh, did mention it, and uh, one of them has like very big hopes for Trump coming back, and that it's going to change everything. That finally the justice will be brought, whatever that means. Uh, but the majority of other channels weirdly uh, did not actually post about it, and yeah, I checked checked this only today, and. I think it's quite interesting because, uh, like before the, uh, like before the series, especially during the uh, like previous presidential elections, like it was, it was such a big topic in even like Russian, Ukrainian, Czech uh, Telegram channels. It was like the most important uh, event that was happening. But nowadays, I think they're just like, yeah, most of the Telegram channels in Russia are over with Trump. So yeah, they just didn't post about it. Yeah, that's actually quite interesting. So in the German context, this uh, announcement also has led to interesting reactions. So 
we could observe that a part of the community is rather disappointed by Trump's announcement because they had hoped that what they call something bigger would happen. So they see it more as a failure of how quickly their ideology is implemented in real life that Trump needs to run for office again. Because remember, they think the election was manipulated and they, of course, still think that. And the fact that Trump runs again for office doesn't really make sense for them because why Why should he? It's not legitimate, according to them. And they had really hoped that already very soon the military takes over the power and uh, the whole world basically uh, starts getting into a chaotic phase. And during this phase, basically, the good forces, which of course is QAnon, everyone who believes in QAnon takes over power in the world again. And they had hoped this could happen in a more radical way. So basically, the fact that, yeah, um, Trump is going the official way is not so impressive for them. So in the German context, you have a few of these communities who um, say, okay, that might actually be only something that Trump says to play with the big audience because many um, people in the world, according to them, have not yet understood what QAnon is and how important it is and how much sense it makes. So basically, the idea is that it might have been a move uh, just to, to for public communication, but in the background, they might actually prepare a real, uh, more radical uh, step. So that was quite interesting because, as Aganish already said, in the past, Trump's moves and everything he did was always considered or in most cases as something very impressive and something that was discussed a lot in many of our communities. In the case of Italy, the, the country uh, I was focusing on, uh, they, they were quite excited about the news of Trump running again for the US elections. And in one instance, in one of the channels, they were so glad that, that Trump was running again. And they claimed that the announcement by Trump might have uh, blocked the, the Third World War from starting. Uh, and so they, they, they've seen his announcement as a sort of strategic uh, action to save the world. Uh, the, here, the, the reference was clearly to the situation going on at the border between Poland and Ukraine. So this is quite interesting to see like how they are rapidly uh, including uh, international events into their own QAnon uh, belief system. Uh, and also another interesting thing that we I've seen in Italy is that um, they have set up a dedicated Telegram channel that gets the content from Truth Social, the social media uh, set up by Trump. So they have a constant feed of content from Truth Social on this Telegram channel, and then from this Telegram channel, it gets reshared uh, in all other QAnon channels. And it was quite interesting and peculiar as well. Um, but also I wanted to add another thing that they, they're not only looking into Trump, uh, in some cases they were also looking uh, at what was going on for the G20. So they were like quite happy that uh, Xi Jinping met uh, the Italian Prime Minister, Giorgio Meloni, and they were like, okay, this kind of meeting might be good from an economic perspective for Italy, despite, uh, in general, QAnons in Italy don't really like Giorgia Meloni because they feel she's too close to NATO. Uh, so yeah, that's, that was an interesting uh, development. Yeah, and we will, of course, also monitor how this will continue, right? Because this discussion has only started and we see some differences and some similarities if we look at all the countries we, we are researching. And that's that makes this research so fascinating, right? You can basically monitor what is going on nearly in real time, but from various perspectives. And it really also helps us that we have the knowledge from the different countries so we often understand what is written in these this uh, communication and to what it refers to. And if you bring all these aspects together on, on a more international level, that, that is very, very interesting.
Yeah, maybe to, to zoom out a little bit, um, we have, or I have gotten the impression as I conducted data analysis on this massive uh, database that, that we collected, that, you know, in essence, the, the centrality of Trump in, in the QAnon narratives is really quite hard to translate into the European context. Some of the other aspects that are quite central, like pedophilia and, and, and so on, right, those, those might be more easily translatable, but, but Trump is... You know, definitely, you know, somewhat of a distant figure in for many European countries, and so we've kind of seen, I think, this trend in several countries where some of the, you know, very U.S.-centric terminology and narratives kind of fade into the background. But this infrastructure that has been created by discussions around these narratives, all these channels, all these people that know each other, um, that is now being repurposed, and I think. Um, Ricardo just gave a great example of that, right? Where, you know, they're now talking about Maloney, they're talking about um, the G20 meeting, and they're talking about, I don't know, NATO and the war in Ukraine, and this kind of merging and morphing of this infrastructure into new conspiracy spaces, uh, but also, you know, for quite normal personal and day-to-day -day use. That is something I think that we can observe in, in many countries, always in different facets, but I think that's kind of a common trend that we observe. Yeah, and uh, so uh, I'm Tristan. Uh, I'm a data scientist at Bellingcat. Uh, you've probably seen me in the Discord uh, a bit. Uh, and I'm just going to talk a little bit about this uh, database that we uh, collected. So it consists of about 34 million posts from about 2,500 different channels, uh, different social media, like, you know, accounts or groups, um, mostly from Telegram, but also from uh, Rumble. BitChute, um, and uh, uh, VK, um, and uh, as part and uh, and the uh, channels come from uh, several different European countries, um, including uh, let's see, uh, United States, uh, Germany, Italy, France, the Netherlands, uh, Czech Republic, uh, Great Britain, and a few others. And uh, just to talk a little bit about, just to like zoom out a little bit, let's just like uh, keep in mind, the goal of QAnon is essentially a military coup that will result in the execution of the political enemies um, of uh, QAnon adherents. And one of the reasons why this very, and at least the way I see it, the entire justification for QAnon is a cope, essentially. Back in October 2017, when the first Q drop uh, came out, uh, Trump's presidency honestly wasn't going super hot. He made a lot of promises about draining the swamp, but the swamp pretty clearly was not being drained. So the question was, even though Trump is in power, why isn't anything getting done? And the chosen answer of QAnon is that, well, actually, a lot of things are being done, but behind the scenes, Trump is engaged in a a long-term battle uh, going back decades against the deep state that will result in this, you know, military coup and, you know, the public executions of Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, uh, John Podesta, George Soros, all of these uh, deep state cabal. And uh, one thing about QAnon is that it, like, one of the reasons, at least I think, why it can spread so easily between different uh, countries and cultural contexts is that it maps very cleanly onto very, very old uh, conspiracy tropes going back to, you know, like the um, Euro European um, anti-Jewish blood libel of, you know, the, like, what, 1200s or um, something. And these kind of tropes are just uh, very well ingrained into especially, like, Western culture. So any uh, country with this kind of shared... Uh, cultural history can very easily take these tropes and adapt them to their local contexts. Yeah, maybe we talk also a little bit about um, how exactly we researched all these platforms and how to deal with the different platforms you come across when doing research. Because as Tristan said, we collected um, a lot of data and um, for many of the countries we are researching, Telegram is still the main platform the QAnon communities are using. 
But at the same time, there are also many smaller platforms, some of them mentioned by Tristan that are also used. And this is something that was very interesting for us to see that at the moment, Telegram is number one in many, many countries. But at the same time, these communities often use other smaller platforms like a backup. You can imagine it like a backup. So often they have a Telegram channel, but at the same time, they also have uh, uh, accounts on, on Gap or they have an account uh, on VK, which is uh, you can imagine as a Russian um, Facebook. Uh, and they try to be on these platforms at the same time because they have experienced that on the bigger platforms, it became more and more difficult for them to exist, like Facebook and Twitter and so on. This does not mean they are not anymore on those big platforms. You can still find QAnon content there, but they often don't use the very well-known QAnon-related slogans, so they don't call themselves QAnon. They don't uh, use uh, things like um, where we go one, we go all, which is a very um, popular slogan. So they avoid using these things on the big platforms, try to be there a little bit, but it has become more difficult. So they are on Telegram, but at, this, at the same time, they are also on the smaller platforms. And what is very interesting, if, you're in, if you want to research these communities, is that they often link to the other platforms they are also using. So if we look on Telegram, we often see that a channel owner also links to their, um, not so often gap, I would say, but often they link to video platforms that they use, which are not necessarily YouTube, but which are smaller alternative platforms like BitChute or uh, Odyssey or things like that. And this way you can really look into the net networks they try to set up. And they try to make sure that in case something happens with Telegram, they can, um, in that case, quickly switch to these smaller platforms, although they might not have a very big audience at the moment. So that is a little bit their strategy. And that really helps if you want to research these communities, because depending on the platforms you are looking at, the communication can be more extreme or less extreme because many of these alternative platforms are not very moderated. So people might be way more open on those platforms. So it's also always very interesting to compare what are they saying on, on, Twitter, on, on Twitter accounts that don't have QAnon in their names compared to what do they uh, say on their VK account. So there's a lot of research potential that we all hope more and more people will take on because we also cannot research everything. And there is a lot that is not yet researched in this field. Yeah, I, I totally agree with Joanna because what, what I've seen in Italy is that they, they use, um, in particular, alternative video platform as a sort of backup. So they have this 12 hours long documentary that they split into pieces and they uploaded them on Odyssey, BitChute, Rumble, um, so, so as that they, they know that they might be, they already have been the platform from YouTube, but now they have this backup option there. And what was also interesting is that some of the Italian channels started on Telegram after being the platform from Facebook, for example. So in one case, uh, going back in the, in the history of the chat, really at the very first post, you could see like them sharing screenshots of their Facebook pages or groups that, of course, now are deleted. But in this way, uh, you, you, you're able to like reconstruct what happened, uh, how their Facebook group was called before, uh, when they were actually the platform from Facebook and, and things like that. So this is quite interesting indeed. So I say that it's really made it easier to find the different uh, QAnon channels by looking at the yeah, by finding one channel, you can see that they're linking to their other like conductor things, but also that they're forwarding lots of messages from other Telegram channels. And yeah, this is how we at least was able to find like a dozen of Russian uh, QAnon channels. It's just because they all forward each other's messages. And uh, 
yeah, I also agree that they are trying to be less um, uh, less obvious that they're QAnon. So one term that they use a lot is um, in Russian, like awakening world. And I think it's quite common, but uh, in Russian, it doesn't really sound like it's like Mir, and I'd have to think about it like twice before like thinking if it's QAnon, because it's just a common phrase in Russian. And what I noticed that in Russian QAnon, there are actually like YouTube channels. And they're so amazed because YouTube usually blocks all the stuff. And this guy, he starts, he first of all uh, up, uploads like one hour videos every day. And in the beginning of each video, he starts by saying like, hey, this is all not truth. I'm just imagining things. This is all uh, like, uh, this is all, uh, this is all part of my imagination. Uh, don't believe me, blah, blah. So I guess he's just trying to, let everyone let the censors know that yeah that he's um he's not spreading misinformation because he's saying that he's spreading misinformation so something like this and he talks like he talks a lot of like like a general QAnon stuff about the war about the elections uh, the u.s elections and there he doesn't call everything by its name so he uh, talks about forest and uh, Putin is bunkerne, for example. Um, Ukra Ukraine is not Ukraine, but Fidrushka uh, Landia, so stuff like that. Doesn't call Jews like Jews, he calls them the curl curled, curly hairs, the curly ones. And it's just so interesting that uh, he's definitely like saying all of this stuff not to get censored. And sometimes he says that uh, he's got censored, some of his videos got taken down. And even in that case, he says stuff like, oh, the um, this platform docs came after me and they took down these uh, videos, which I find so fascinating. <laughs> On the topic of uh, forwards and kind of looking at some of this uh, like data as a whole, one thing that I worked on was... Uh, some network visualizations of the uh, database as a whole. So I'm going to share uh, three network visualizations in the stage talk. Uh, one is a network of uh, hashtags. Um, one is a network of uh, post forwards. And one is a network of uh, English language named entities. Um, you can find a bit more about, uh, if you're curious about these, you can watch uh, my uh, 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 my uh, talk in the conference about them, uh, but yeah, you, you can like play around with these uh, networks and see a little bit. And kind of on the uh, on the topic of the Jews, maybe, and uh, some of this, uh, I guess, um, uh, kind of masking uh, that a lot of these channels do. I mean, in a lot, like, there's kind of different. It's it's a spectrum, right? Like on one hand, you have like very like almost explicitly white nationalist uh, kind of entryist people like who are like often very into things like Christian identity um, who basically want to kind of infiltrate these Q spaces so they can uh, red pill all these, you know, QAnon people. And, you know, cause you know, there's all this talk about the globalists and Soros and it's actually very easy to be like, yeah, so uh, it's actually, um, it's actually the Jews. And uh, so there's, um, you often see, you know, in some like Nazi telegram uh, private chats talking about, hey, what's the best way that we can red pill all of these um, kind of normies? And that was like really especially prominent uh, after around uh, January, like um, after January 6th, a lot of uh, uh, kind of normie uh, uh, QAnon people started moving to Telegram, which had, which has had a pretty prominent uh, Nazi uh, sub-community on it for a while. So there was a lot of discussion on the best way to red pill these people. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's something definitely what I've seen. Uh, so there is uh, this Czech uh, admin. So the uh, in Czech Republic, lots of domains have been uh, leaked recently, and we could see that one uh, uh, like a few, like five of QAnon channels, different QAnon 
uh, websites actually were all administered by the same person and all of them were like a little bit different. So one of them, yes, Tristan, you said one was like very, very Christian. They literally had like Bible on their website, prayer groups and stuff like that. Like there they would post specifically very like Christian targeted posts about, yeah, about Jesus, about like bible verses and then like one post in five would talk about QAnon, uh the same thing being the uh about the jews controlling the world or that the vaccine is not they would post like vaccines like jesus was against vaccines and stuff like that which was quite interesting and another website it was just like uh more obvious that it was QAnon. it was called like qopel so it was quite quite known from its sole name. And that was so anti-Semitic and so anti-immigrant. It was just horrible stuff about them. And it was quite interesting to find out that this all of these websites were administered by the same person. And he was literally just targeting different groups of people to yeah, to basically recruit in the QAnon, I suppose. I've seen cases also in Italy of um Telegram channels, or at least the people behind uh, three, four Telegram channels, uh, that have also set up uh, websites. In their cases, the, those websites are similar to like news media websites. They, they basically, in some instances, they copy paste articles published online by other media outlets, and then they just include them in their website alongside content related to Piano. Uh, but they also of course, they have advertisements on these websites, but they also have a dedicated uh, website in which they uh, publish the, the possibility to, to join their exclusive seminars in which the three or four people running these Telegram channels and these websites come together uh, online for this video uh, seminar. Usually, usually it's like one hour long. And if you pay a fee, you can access these kind of videos and sometimes the recording of these videos uh, end up on youtube uh, just to go back to the subject we were talking uh, before so it's, it's interesting because uh, there's no clear QAnon description on those recordings on youtube but once you listen to them you start understanding that of course this is QAnon content and they somehow they keep publishing this on YouTube as well. And it's also interesting that the, the part of the advertising and the fees that people have to pay to, to join these exclusive seminars, because it's usually the fee is around 10, 15 euros. Uh, there's no uh, like transparency regarding how much money they earn on their website for. But anyway, it's something interesting. The, the economic aspect of QAnon is something that is quite interesting to dig into. And also interesting that um, many influencers, also in the German context, they seem to keep it a bit flexible into which um, conspiracy they really believe in and which conspiracy they want to share with their followers. Because we are looking in, in our research project at QAnon, but the reality is that many of the channels we are looking at they are mixing various conspiracies. They are sometimes mixing far-right ideas. Sometimes they mix in esoteric ideas. So it's a big mix and it's very difficult sometimes also for us when researching that to really um, make a clear distinction. What is QN and what, what not? But what I saw in the German context is that many um, people who have bigger, who run bigger Telegram channels, who can be considered maybe as influencers in this community, they often don't want to be called QAnon, right? If you tell them, oh, you're QAnon, they would refuse. And sometimes they even try to not call their channels with any, after anything QAnon related. And the content they share is often a mix between QAnon stuff and other conspiracies. So it's, it, it seems they, they want to serve the whole market that is out there to keep their channels growing. So that is um, quite interesting to see um, how it mixes with different other conspiracy ideas. And I think that this is a little bit different from country to country. 
And um, we always want in the future to look uh, way deeper into these differences because actually you have UN and ideas coming over from the US and some of them then are mixed with other conspiracy ideas that are more coming from the local context. Some are really old ideas that are already centuries old that might be anti-Semitic and so on. And it's a very interesting mix. And it seems that this mix is most attractive at the moment to, to those people who are interested in getting into such communities. They often even don't want a clear cut, okay, this is QAnon. Uh, they are often interested in mixing in everything and watching a video that um, has a title that is not QAnon related, but then shares QAnon content. And it will be interesting to see how this will develop in the f in further in the next few years. Yeah, maybe to add on that, um, I think in terms of how narrative spread, we've also observed a couple of patterns. Um, it, it's quite frequent that, you know, big US spe um, specific uh, theories kind of spread to to the EU, but then find very different levels of take up in different countries. So um, with Le Monde, for instance, we looked at um, the biolabs conspiracy. So this idea that um, the US together with um, the Ukrainian government essentially runs biolabs research facilities and that the Russian invasion of Ukraine was more or less designed to halt those activities. Um, <clears throat> And we found we found that you know that, that theory really grew in the U.S. Um, and um, as it kind of got into this Telegram ecosystem, it spread through France and was pretty successful there. But then in some other European contexts, it found relatively little uptake. Um, we also see the reverse, of course. We see some theories that really start in Europe and then spread to the U.S. Um, a great example is um, the Dutch farmers' protest movement, which essentially was like a local fight around nitrogen regulations in in the Netherlands. Um, and then kind of blew up into this major international Q narrative um, where people were talking about how that's what, that was related to the Great Replacement and so on. Um, and in the end, Tucker Carlson and Donald Trump ended up talking about it. Um, so you kind of see this as, see this two-way street between the US and kind of distinct European ecosystems. I don't think we have as many examples of theories starting in one European country and then moving to another. And again, not all theories in Europe find take up in the US and not all US theories find take up in Europe. But we kind of see this bi-directional movement back and forth between the US and Europe, um, which I think is quite, quite interesting. So uh, Giancarlo uh, actually uh, has a prior commitment right now. Uh, and so I'm going to be running the Q&A uh, session, which um, I guess we can start uh, right around now. So um, great question from uh, Jimmy Artur Arturo Pais. Uh, are there any indications of internal power struggles within Q across Europe, as in individuals or groups trying to control the European narrative? Uh, who wants to take that? Oh, I can start with the German context. I wouldn't say that what I saw was uh, a power struggle on the European le level, but I definitely saw it within the German context where different sub-communities basically criticized each other and said, okay, you have a wrong interpretation of what QAnon is. You don't really get it. You try to spread ideas that are wrong. And they really try to <laughs> try to um, make each other's uh, communities, show them in a bad light. With, I would think the goal to take over the control of the whole German community, which is very difficult. So you had um, certain parts of a community interpreting uh, Q-trops, these cryptic messages that play a big role in, in the community, they interpreted them in different ways, right? Some said, okay, you have to interpret uh, this message, um, not literally, but you have to more interpret it in, in terms of concepts and what is meant by this. And other parts of the community, community really tried to connect what is written in this Q-trop to very concrete news events that were happening. And over that, discussions were taking place. Another discussion that I saw was about the question whether the communities should openly advertise that they, they are QAnon or not. 
and some said, um, yeah, sure, we want to spread our our thoughts and we want to share the concepts of this community as quickly as possible. And others were getting angry at this, saying, okay, no, we want to try to hide a little bit the concept of QAnon. We want to try to spread the general ideas without showing um, the people that this belongs to QAnon, because if they knew that this is QAnon, they wouldn't listen to us. But if we say, oh, that's just a good idea, <laughs> they might um, start believing in what we are saying. So at least within the German context, a lot of power struggle struggles are, are taking place. In the case of Italy, uh, what I've seen, I wouldn't call it a real power struggle, given that the the Italian QAnon ecosystem is pretty fragmented, and there are some key figures, but these key figures, uh, let's say, don't fall uh, in these kind of fights. The, the these fights I've seen are between two two channels, and somehow they they were like making fun of each other. Again, uh, it was all related to how to interpret some facts and whether if some theories were right or were wrong and things like that. So th there are some, I wouldn't call them power struggle, uh, but yes, it, it's also interesting to see how they, they, they react to each other. There was also uh, some people in the Italian 4chan uh, boards that they were like making fun of QAnon in general and trying to, to push away some, some, some of the QAnon believers that, that were there. So yeah, there are these kind of small fights. Uh, it's not a real power struggle in Italy, at least. Uh, these key figures is is a sort of uh, influencer. I, I would say that gets all his content usually reshared by other QAnon channels. Uh, either if if we are talking about topics regarding COVID uh, or war or also QAnon related things. So yeah, that's for Italy. All right, we got another question from uh, Pimico. Uh, are the conspira are the conspirationists the conspirators? So uh, I'm understanding this question is, I guess, to what degree are the people, I guess, in power or the people who who were in power um, under Trump um, involved with or uh, or responsible for promoting QAnon? Um, we didn't really cover this as part of this uh, investigation. Um, but there's an incredibly well-done uh, HBO documentary called uh, Q Into the Storm that goes into a lot of this. Um, the most prominent example I can think of is that uh, Jerome Corsi, um, who has some like connections with uh, um, both Infowars and uh, Roger Stone, uh, was actually one of the first uh, QAnon, uh, people to promote QAnons. And uh, another one is that Michael Flynn, uh, was, who is very uh, well-regarded, very well regarded by the the QAnon community, um, seems to at, at at least at some points have uh, ex like uh, explicitly promoted it. And he took the quote unquote digital soldier oath and said, "Where we go, one we go all." So that was uh, that was very fun. Um, let's see. Uh, okay. Well, uh, here's from uh, Mortified Penguin. Um, uh. Uh, talking about, I think, the QAnon uh, kind of seminar fees. Uh, are the fees paid in standard ways, PayPal, etc., or is it crypto? And I think we can kind of pivot from that question into a bit about the financing of some of these channels and how uh, they are getting money. In the in the case of those seminars, the, the payments were regular. So they I think they had set up a PayPal account and they also have wire transfer. They they didn't use bitcoins in that case, uh, but I've known that other people have looked into um, the use of cryptocurrencies or NFTs. For example, I've tracked down only one account, one Telegram channel that also set up a couple of NFTs online. I think it was on OpenSea, but I'm not sure uh, anybody bought them. I think they only minted them. They were there. There was, there was this white rabbit of course and, and that was it yeah i cannot talk specifically about seminars i haven't looked at that but in general surprisingly often as as uh, as was just mentioned they still use paypal so that is very interesting but um they start to use crypto too but uh, looking at the german context 
it is used. There are a few influencers who also, um, it seems, have managed to make a few 10,000 euros via cryptocurrency. But what I have seen is that many, many of the um, QAnon people who start start trying to use crypto, they haven't made much money through it so far, it seems. So I haven't um, researched that into detail yet, but I wonder whether everyone in the QAnon community is even able to use cryptocurrency. Do, do they even know what it is? Right, because the community that we have is very mixed, at least in the German context. There are also older people in these uh, channels. Uh, there are people who, who might not really be uh, what we often call digital natives. And I doubt that all of them are into crypto and using it. But it seems to be coming. But not. I don't yet see that there is a huge, huge business um, spread out across many, many um, owners, channel owners who all make a lot of money via crypto. It's very interesting to look at, but um, as uh, as said by, by my colleague, it's really interesting to see how often you can see that they even give their, their bank account details, which I had never expected before I started looking into that. You look in Telegram channels and they give a name and they give their bank, their IBAN and bank details or their PayPal um, way more than, than I had ever thought. So that's quite interesting. Yeah, um, that was actually something that also surprised me. There's literally like tens of thousands of IBANs and uh, PayPal links in, in our database. Um, yeah, I think so. I guess one part of the business model is like how they get the money, right? And then the other part is like, what are they actually selling? And um, I've done some initial research on this, but it's it's far from from done. But it appears that there's a couple of kind of prominent ways to make money for them. One is simply donations. Then there's kind of subscription services where you get like extra access if you pay something, kind of, you know, a Patreon type model. Um, then there is uh, a bunch of merchandise that is being sold. Um, I mean, you go to demonstrations and you see these people walking around with all those Hue flags. They have to come from somewhere, right? Um, and then what I find quite surprising, there's actually a ton of books. There's literally thousands of links to Amazon.com within the database and people kind of self-publishing esoteric conspiracy related books that um, apparently get some get some uptake. Um, I'd really like to see if we can get any kind of data on um, on sales data for, for, for this kind of um, for this kind of product. But um, it seems to be quite a prominent uh, way for them to to make some money. Um, and then there's some, you know, out there um, ways to make money, such as I don't know, we, we looked at this very big German conspiracy theorist, uh, Oliver Janich. And um, yeah, he, you know, he kind of set up this um, I guess, holiday camp slash emigre community in the Philippines and, you know, rented out rooms. Um, so that's another way to make money. So it's quite a diverse uh, economic space, if you will. And it's kind of hard to get a grasp um, of how large it actually is, because, you know, if it's not crypto, then it's kind of hard to figure out how much money they're actually making. Czech Republic has a quite interesting example, because in Czech Republic, it turns out it's very popular to have transparent accounts. And lots of NGOs actually use it to basically show to the whole world like how much money they're receiving and how much they're spending on and what things. And some QAnon people, yeah, influencers are also using it to uh, basically, yeah, you can look how much donation this guy's getting for from QAnon. It's literally like 50,000 uh, euros in uh, one year. And yeah, it's coming from donation. But my another favorite example is this guy who uh, also lots of like uh, Jistara and Nizara ele elements to his channel. And he's basically saying that, yeah, one day yeah, uh, the all the currencies will lose value. And the, and uh, for you, in order to retain some money, is, uh, the only way is to invest into my currency. It's not even a crypto. It's just an e-corona. So corona, I think, is the uh, the official currency in Czech Republic. And this one is e-corona. And he's basically saying, yeah, send me your money and I'll uh, give you e-coronas this, once this uh, day comes. And you can see that he's literally made like hundreds of thousands of euros uh, because he also has a transparent account. And you can also see that he's 
spending a lot of them, which yeah, which I think is quite crazy. Sorry, I was just going to say, uh, we had a question from Gardur about saying uh, basically the trend of some of these groups being kind of conspiracy agnostic, but uh, people trying to monetize their followers, so I guess kind of the role of grifting, uh, for lack of a better term, in these communities. I think Eigenish, uh spoke to that. Um, one question from Marmalade, uh, is there any QAnon movement within Hungary with the whole Orban CPAC thing? Uh, the connection is bringing Hungarian and American extremists together. Um, so I think, uh, so we didn't actually, uh, talk, we, we, we didn't actually study any, uh, groups within Hungary, so, uh, I can't speak to that, um, but, I mean, there is definitely, uh, uh, a trend in American, uh, right-wing extremists, um, both mainstream and fringe, to, uh, seek to emulate, uh, tactics that used by uh, Orban. Uh, can anyone else speak to uh, this question? No, we haven't looked at that country. So there are still quite a lot of countries, many countries that we haven't even looked at. So if you're interested in looking into that, share it with us. We're very interested. Um, no. Good answer. Um, let's see, from Pizza. Um, so how do QAnon movements impact European politics and national politics? Pre-QAnon, we had some pretty close connections between conspiracy environments and the populist right in party in Norway. Who wants to take in, that? Yeah, can go ahead. In the case of Italy, um, I haven't seen a clear impact yet. Um, you're correct, meaning that uh, pre-QAnon, there were already um, politicians close to conspiracy theories and we we see some some of them in the in the parliament or in Italy for example they used to be in the parliament and stuff like that. What I've seen emerging though is a is a sort of new far right uh, anti-vax conspiracy fueled uh, party in Italy, uh, which is not clearly a a QAnon uh, thing. But at the same time, it shares some of the messages of the attitude and things like that. So this is something that I would like to, to keep an eye on. Because, yeah, it's, of course, it's going to end up in this way. Like, we, 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 we fear that some politicians might uh, join QAnon explicitly in the public in Italy, for example. So, yeah. Yeah, just to speak a little bit on that, um, starting in around 2018, uh, quite a few QAnon uh, uh, candidates for uh, U.S. political positions uh, have b been elected who are very explicitly uh, adherents of QAnon, and uh, I don't think we've seen anything like that in uh, really any other countries. No, not to, uh, to that extent. Uh, luckily not. And hopefully, hopefully it will uh, it will remain that way. All right, we got we got a question from Eridus. Uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Has it been possible to identify those importers of QAnon into each European country, if any? Um, for example, uh, like the patient zero of a pandemic, or are there multiple uh, unrelated events that grow and attract more people? Who wants to take that? I can say a few words about the conspiracies we looked at for Le Monde and Trau. Um, <clears throat> it appears that there is some kind of importing channels in the sense that they, you know, more or less copy paste from, you know, American channels or other countries' channels and just kind of, you know, translate it into the national context. Um, so those might be, you know, what we call a patient zero. Um, I think more clearly from the data, we sometimes see people who are, linking to other contexts. So who are kind of, I guess, form patient zero to, into another context. So where there's a Dutch channel, for instance, which uh, posts quite a lot in English, and we see a lot of American channels then picking up what this Dutch channel is kind of bringing out of the Netherlands. So it, there, there, like in some contexts, there are these kind of linkages. Um, I don't think it's consistently there everywhere, but um, I'd be interested in hearing other people's um, view on this. Yeah, I think it's hard to tell, at least in the case of Italy. In in some instances, 
for sure the, the role played by the translator channels let's say it, it could be like the, the the starting point for patient zero and i think that the translation part is quite important because they don't they not only translate the, the content of the, the messages in some instances they also translate the subtitles or videos being QAnon and and heavily based media uh, movement that there are like the, the video images, memes and things like that are quite important uh, for this conspiracy theory. Uh, seeing people also translating subtitles for the videos, it's quite interesting to me. All right, uh, let's see, we're uh, running a little short on time, uh, so let's try to be a little quick with these questions. Um, so from Fraser, uh, how formalized is the process of red pilling? Uh, can you see um, evidence of tactics being developed? Um, I can speak a little bit about this. Uh, uh, there's a really good uh, article um, by Belling Cat uh, contributor uh, Robert Evans about the press about um, how different uh, um, Nazis have been red pilled. Um, but my understanding is that the there's really no consistent um, process. Um, it's just kind of uh, it just kind of happens. Uh, let's see. A uh, question from Pizza: um, Did other European uh, country Q movements avoid the crackdowns and bans by Facebook? Um, good question. Yeah, because a lot of uh, your American QAnon uh, Facebook accounts got banned. I think, Aganish, you found specifically examples from, from Facebook, right? But what we have seen in general is really that some accounts just avoid using QAnon slogans and so on. And I have recently looked a little bit about what happens. Not much. I haven't done deep research into that, but I have looked a little bit into what happens with uh, Twitter because you all uh, probably know about the discussions around Twitter and Elon Musk. And um, yeah, we, we looked at, okay, um, do the QAnon communities talk more about Twitter? Do they link more to, to Twitter accounts? And what I found is sometimes they linked to Twitter accounts that were quite old, which I wasn't aware of that they existed. Like they were created in 2017 and obviously were, were not banned. They were still there. And what they did there, they, they had chosen a very harmless uh, name for the Twitter account and they just linked out constantly in their tweets to other content, for instance, on the uh, platform Odyssey, where they then shared their videos. So they have uh, some strategies to try to, to spread content via the bigger platforms without using the, the um, words that will get them blocked. But... I feel that nevertheless, it has helped a lot that um, the, the QAnon content is not staying on the platforms for so long anymore. So a lot has changed, definitely, although there are still ways to get some of the content out on those platforms. I don't know, Aiganish, if you want to add about your experience with what you saw on Facebook specifically. Yeah, sure. Uh, there is this group called Prepare for Change and with the Czech translation. And this is a group, it has like 25,000 subscribers, which makes it the biggest that I found, the uh, Czech QAnon group. And uh, yeah, it, first of all, it does have very uh, like QAnon-like title. And the second, it's a closed group. And I think I was able to find it only because it was mentioned somewhere in the Telegram channel of some another QAnon group. So it's, it seems like outsiders don't really get to uh, see it. And then I was able to join this group only like on the third time, I think they let me in. And yeah, once I joined, I could see that it's like full key on. on. Yeah. And it hasn't been banned for some reason. All right, I think that's about all the time we have. Uh, thanks everyone for coming. Um, and thanks for your great questions. Uh, Giancarlo will introduce the next stage talk next week. Um, I hope all of you have a great week, and uh, there were a few questions that didn't get answered. Uh, um, if any of the uh, people in the stage want to um, answer them in the text, uh, that'd be great. Or if you have any additional questions, uh, feel free to um, ask, and we'll do our best to answer them via text. Um, thanks a lot. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Stage Talk. 
If you'd like to catch a Sage Talk live and ask the guest questions, join the Bellingcat Discord server by visiting www.discord.gg forward slash Bellingcat. The music you've heard is titled 1983 by Ben Elson and is courtesy of Epidemic Sound.